What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode number 52 of Connection is Magic. Thank you so much for coming back and tuning in. This week, I have on Ellie Lax. She's really just an earth angel is what she is. She started up an organization called The Gentle Barn. It's a nonprofit, and they've rescued thousands of abused or neglected farm animals from cows to pigs to horses. They have hosted over 500,000 people since Gentle Barns existed. They have one in California, Tennessee, and Missouri. They will do outings where they host children who grew up in troubled homes and they will have the children and the animals connect and hug. It's a really beautiful exchange of energy. It shows the animals that they're safe and it also shows the kids that they're safe as well. We get into what her first experience with the animal world was like, what sort of got her into this space, how the hardest things in our lives shape us for what we're here to do. We get into Ellie's suicide attempt when she was just seven years old. Thank God it didn't work. Along with so much other great stuff. I can't wait for you to check this out. Such a fantastic episode. Enjoy. Welcome everybody to Connection is Magic. I'm your host, Samson Shulman, a former music executive turned podcaster and coach. In a world obsessed with the highlight reel and keeping our difficulties hidden behind the curtain. We end up feeling lonely and isolated, and opportunities for human connection are missed. On this podcast, we dive deep with our guests and get them to share those dreaded, unfiltered pieces. We learn how to make lemonade out of life's lemons and realize adversity isn't sent to break us, but rather shape us into the greatest versions of ourselves. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Now let's begin our journey back home to connection. Welcome everybody to a very special episode with my friend Ellie Lax. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm such a fan of yours. I was telling you this before we started recording. I was like, it's like meeting uh, a celebrity. <laughs> so, so I don't know if you get that a lot or, you know, I'm just really open with my admiration. Thank but you so much. Yeah, of course. Where are you originally from? Well, I was born in Israel, actually. And wow. then um, we moved to the States when I was two. And I, we lived in Boston, St. Louis, Connecticut, and Los Angeles. So you running the Gentle Barn, it's a sanctuary where you rescue abused animals, right? Yes. Yes. Our little niche is that we take in animals that have nowhere else to go because they're too old, too sick, too lame, or too scared to be adoptable by anybody else. When did you notice, like, I'm thinking in your childhood, did you have a moment where you felt especially connected to animals? Because I know you speak to animals as well, right? You're able to do that. Yes. Yes. That's so cool. So I got the visual in my head, like, you know, you're five years old and it's like, you recognize this gift way back then. Is that true? Yeah, there were several pivotal moments in my life. The first was when you, when I was five. That's funny that you said that. When um, I was in temple with my parents, I couldn't sit still. I didn't know what they were talking about and I had to get out of there. And so I snuck out the back door of the temple into a field and I was playing in the field and there were butterflies. And so I rolled on my back to watch the butterflies and there were hundreds of them, if not thousands. And all of a sudden they started landing on me. And before I knew it, I was literally covered in butterflies. And it was the most wonderful feeling I'd ever had in my life. I didn't feel connected to the people or the goings on in temple or in my family. But here in this field, cradled by Mother Earth, blanketed by the blue sky and shrouded by these butterflies, I felt more included, more belonging and more called to be part of something than I ever had before. And I remember 
I just remember that feeling, that feeling of being included and noticed and wanted by these butterflies. And then the next pivotal moment was when I was seven years old and um, there was bullying going on at school and there was some stuff going on at home. And I just decided that I didn't want to be here anymore. And I actually tried to kill myself at seven years old. And I wasn't able to do it because at seven years old, I didn't know how to engineer that. And so after several failed attempts, I just ran out into the garden to cry. And I was crying and I didn't want to be here and I didn't know how to go. And all of a sudden, this hummingbird came within inches of my face. And I'll never forget her bright red and cobalt blue and shimmering orange and green and her little black beady eyes looking into mine. And I had this feeling come over me that I was supposed to say, but it was going to be okay. And again, there was nature recognizing me and beckoning me, calling me to be part of them. And from that moment on, I would tell anybody that would listen that when I grew up, I was going to have a big place full of animals and I was going to show the world how beautiful they are. Oof, that was incredible. It's almost like life, the universe was guiding you into this field, right? From a very early age. Yes. And it's so amazing what you just shared on many levels, but let me tell you how it personally connects for me real quick. I went through so much bullying in school. I switched schools like 10 times and I, I didn't want to go on. I never tried to take my life, but I never wanted to go on. You know, the devastation where it's like, all you want to do is fit in and I couldn't get my lifeblood. I say that to say, now I created this platform called Connection is Magic because I couldn't connect back then. And now all I want to do as an adult is connect and have people show people that, you know, being different is okay. And adversity is okay. It makes you who you're meant to be and, and all these things. So all of that really tumultuousness has birthed this version. And I feel like you've got that going on for yourself as well. Yes. And it, and sounded really painful at the time, obviously, right? So painful at the time. But thank God you were able to use that, you know, for what you were brought here to do. Uh, because you thank you. Thank you for saying that. Ellie, we are the lucky ones, I feel like, because many who experience things like that, it takes them under. So I just want to give a moment of gratitude that we're able to do these things and help others. That's, that's really what we're here to do. One of the adversities I feel like that you still have to gracefully move through, and I don't know how you do it, but you're going to tell me, is the passing of a dear animal. Like that, that just, you know, I follow the account. Tell people about Dudley, uh, because I, I remembered following that saga and just my heart was in it, you know? Oh, Dudley, Dudley is the best. So I had a whole series of crazy events. We had one location at the time in Los Angeles. I was trying desperately to open more locations, but the board kept telling us, no, we weren't financially ready. We weren't structurally ready. It just wasn't time. And every time I would go into meditation, I would get my guides telling me like, you have to move faster. This planet is in peril. You have to open more locations. And I was like, well, I don't know how to do that and move forward because my board isn't ready. So it was something that I was consciously aware of all the time of like, trying to open new locations, trying to expand, trying to bring in more money, trying to save more animals' lives, trying to connect with more people. And I had a dream at night. There was a woman sitting on my bed and she said very, very clearly, she said, in six months time, you will open your next location and it'll be the best two years of your life. And I woke up startled and of course, didn't see anybody sitting on my bed. And I remember being so crazed by this that I actually got up and wrote 
wrote it in the journal with the date. And then I kind of forgot about it. A little bit later, it was my birthday. I told my husband, all I want for my birthday is to rescue a cow. I don't want a party. I don't want gifts. Like legit, don't even get me a card. I just want to rescue a cow. And he's like, okay. So we thought we would go locally and find some cow. A few days later, we got a call from Tennessee from this woman saying that there was a cow there who had lost his foot. He was hobbling around in tremendous pain. Nobody will take him. She's called 200 people. She knows that we're all the way in California, but could we at least give her some advice because she doesn't want to see this, this cow slaughtered. My husband got the call. He started making calls to bovine surgeons in the area and found one of the best. Then he started making calls to companies that make prosthetics. And he found several companies that were willing to make a prosthetic foot for a cow. And a few days later, he came to me and said, happy birthday. We're going to Tennessee. And we went to Tennessee. We rescued Dudley. We brought him to the UT Knoxville hospital. He got the amputations and the surgeries that he needed. We got a prosthetic company to make a foot for him. He got used to it. And then he was ready to be discharged. When he was ready to get out of the hospital, we toyed with the idea of bringing him all the way to California. But like we live in a desert on sand and I just pictured the grains of sand and the prosthetic. And I was like, this is not going to work. So we went to the board again and said, can we open a gentle barn in Tennessee for Dudley? And by this point, Dudley was world famous. And they said, yes. So we opened a gentle barn in Tennessee for Dudley and many, many subsequent animals. But here's why Dudley was special. Dudley had lost his mom at very, very young. Then he lost his foot. Then he lived in a pasture without a foot, hobbling around in tremendous suffering. And then we rescued him and brought him to the hospital. And he was in the hospital, in and out of surgeries for five months. And he didn't complain, not once. He had a curiosity about him that lit up the room. He would play. He was grateful for everything. He was never sad. He was always just grateful and counting his blessings. And he had such a wild effect on everyone that knew him. And when he finally made his way to the gentle barn and we opened up to the public and had people come and visit him, they would burst into tears before they even touched him. They would cuddle him and he would wrap his neck around them and hold them for hours. And he worked with foster children. He worked with amputees and war vets. He worked with troubled teens. He even turned a hunter to go vegan. Wow. He had a massive effect on not just the people that met him in person, but the world sharing him on social media. And sadly, he only lived two years because um, there were complications with, with his last surgery. And he was the only animal in the 21 year history of the gentle barn that we ever had a public memorial for. And there were 3000 people that wanted to come from around the world. And we had to cap it at only 500 because the venue would only hold 500. And we got thousands and thousands and thousands of letters from people around the world that shared that they were suicidal. And because of Dudley, they chose to live, that they had a terminal illness and Dudley encouraged them to fight, and they're now in remission. We had one woman that said that she was agoraphobic and hadn't left her house in 10 years. And because of watching Dudley virtually, she decided that if Dudley can make it, so can she. And she left her house for the first time in 10 years and found a sanctuary in Canada to volunteer with. He had such a global impact. And then, of course, you know, millions of people went vegan and, you know, started loving animals because of him. It's been years since his passing and people still talk about him to this day. He was a rock star. He was a legend. And and when he passed away, I thought I was going to die. 
And so did many other people. So it's no surprise that I never met Dudley, but I felt connected to Dudley in a way that I've never felt connected that at that level. But that doesn't surprise you. We travel a lot yeah. and we will literally be in the middle of a crowded airport and someone will be like, oh, my God, are you from General Barn? I remember where I was when Dudley passed. I was at work and I had to leave home because I, I, I had to go home because I couldn't even function at work. He had that impact on people. And I can't explain it. He just did. We're going to bring it back to my original question with that too. How do you gracefully move through something so, uh, I mean, it's, I, I don't, I, I got to say devastating because it feels devastating to me. It really does that, that type of loss. So how do you move gracefully through that? How have you learned to move gracefully through that? And what can other people learn from how you move through something that heavy? What saved me was animal communication. I don't know how people have these devastating losses to animals that are with them day in and day out. And sometimes are the only ones that really understand them and they lose them. I don't know how anyone survives it without animal communication. And that's why I do it professionally. I've been talking to animals since I was a child, but I didn't have confidence in myself. So back when Dudley passed away, I literally thought I was gonna die. And it was the help of an animal communicator named Amanda Reister. She communicated to Dudley for me and being able to hear his voice and feel his presence and know that he's still with me, even though he left his body, helped me go on. She taught me how to talk to him for myself. And then I studied formally animal communication so I could get my confidence back. And that's why I do animal communication for other people because there's people all over the world that are suffering so badly, especially through this pandemic. When we lose an animal or lose anybody, we can go to work, we can go to the bar, we can go out with friends and we can get out of our feelings. But during the pandemic, there are so many people that are stuck in their feelings and they can't distract themselves. And it is so excruciating. There's so many people that are hurting. And being able to talk to people's animals for them and let them know that they're still with them, that they're not gone. It's just a change of a relationship helps people heal. And I get to pay it forward because it saved my life. So Dudley really brought that next layer to what you're doing now, you're saying, right? You know, you were inspired to learn how to communicate directly from that experience. Wow. And that's opened up this whole new exciting world for you. <laughs> so it really goes to show what we do on this podcast is we talk about the hardest moments in our lives can open up something very beautiful for us. You know, if we're willing to walk the hard road, I guess at first. And I love this. I love this conversation. It's my favorite topic because here's the bottom line. The bottom line is if our lives are cushy and sweet and loved and joyous, and we're sitting there sipping Mai Tais and eating bonbons, no growth is going to come out of that, unfortunately. We, we can't grow. We can't learn. We can't cultivate awareness and empathy. It's only through our deepest and darkest struggles that we end up finding ourselves and there ends up being a life-saving gift that comes out of it that we're here to share with the world. And so, you know, it might sound cliche, but when I look back at my life and all the things that I've gone through, I am grateful for every single one. I am grateful for the suffering. I'm grateful for the loneliness. I'm grateful for not feeling like I belonged. I'm grateful for even the drug addiction and suicide attempts because I have cultivated an awareness and an empathy out of that. And it's broken me down to my knees to give me an opportunity to find a way to stand up. And so now I can, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I know my gifts and talents. I get to share it with the world and I get to be there and inspire other people that are broken like I was. And the entire journey 
was there to get me to this moment. And I'm the happiest now than I've ever been in my entire life. And I wake up grateful every day. And it's only because of my pain that I get this extreme joy because I found my way through it. And what doesn't break me makes me stronger. And I'm sure that you can identify with the exact same thing. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking, you know, chronic illness for 15 years, near death experiences, being bullied, almost dying. It goes on and on and on. Addiction. I had a terrible addiction. And it's interesting. Like, I feel like you and I are both very feeling souls. You know, we are. And I feel like when you are a feeling soul, sometimes the world is too much when you're a feeling soul. So we find maladaptive ways when we're younger to deal with that, having that soul that's highly sensitive. And then through you know, getting broken down time and time again, then we learn much more healthy strategies to say, okay, how can I turn this into an asset instead of it being a liability? Does that make sense? Yes. A hundred percent. It makes sense. And I had a near death experience too. So we have that in common as well. Was that in your uh, teenage years or was that, was that more recent? Yeah. I'll tell you if only if you tell me yours. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have no problem. Yeah. We're all about vulnerability because, you know, that's how we connect. Connection is magic and you can only connect if you pull back the curtain. Okay. So of course this actually occurred five years ago when not only was I having a near-death experience, Ellie, but I had just gotten into a bad car accident on the 10 about a month before my near-death experience. And I um, was losing my career and I was in financial ruin and it was just, everything was just happening at once. And I really thought it was the end. And I was just hanging on for dear life. And uh, I thought I had the flu at first. I was at my house and I was throwing up and it was for three days and I thought I was nursing a flu. And then I started not be able to talk, put words together, right? And I was speaking gibberish and my roommate was like, what are you saying right now? And I was like, something's going on here. Spoke to my mom, who's a nurse, she insisted that an ambulance come. So she called an ambulance. I go to the hospital and find out that I had a tumor growing right here on my pituitary that hemorrhaged that I didn't know. So blood was actually in my brain when I was vomiting for three days, but I thought it was the flu. So yeah. And so my sodium level um, I don't know if you know, you know, we need a certain sodium level for heart function and to for our body to job. So the normal level for sodium starts at 135. And when you go to 120, it's like code blue, like you, it's a big jump. I was at 105. I, I shouldn't be here, is what the doctor said. They said you should have had, you should have slipped into a coma and been out of here. So yeah. That was my near death. So, so it took about 12 days in the hospital to like bring me back through that. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. And what made it worse was when the ambulance came, they thought I was on drugs because I was a younger guy living in Hollywood. So they, they weren't even taking me serious. So it, it really, I still get kind of charged when I, when I think about that. Uh, Yeah. So, but now here I am and I've got this podcast, I'm doing this work in the world. So it all comes full circle and now it's a really cool story. And I I just want to share my message to inspire other people. So that's my story. Well, I'm very, very glad that you stayed. Thank you, Ellie. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, my death, my near death experience is not as glamorous um, or as exciting as that whole story. <laughs> um, it was when I was giving birth to my my son, mm. and um, 
I, he wasn't coming out and I needed a C-section after laboring for 17 hours. And so they gave me an epidural and they were all kind of down there getting the baby out and nobody was paying attention to me and I couldn't breathe. Um, I had a very big reaction to the, whatever they gave me. So I couldn't breathe and I passed out and died. And um, I actually went, you know, you hear people talk about this, that I, I went, I guess, to the other side and, oh my God, it was so peaceful and loving and joyous. And it was the most beautiful feeling I have ever had in my life. And they kind of gave me a choice. You could stay here or you could go back to your body. And I remember like, God, what do I do? Like, this is the best feeling in the world. I kind of don't want to leave, but what about my son? I mean, he's going to grow up without a mom. And I had all these big dreams since I was seven and I haven't done any of them. I feel like it was wasted life. And so I was like, you know what? No, I want to stay and I want to do what I've come here to do. And I want to be a mom to my son. And so they resuscitated me and I came back to my body. Since then was this really urgent drive to open the gentle barn. Like the minute I chose to stay, you know, prior to then, you know, I, I suicide attempts and drug overdoses and just hating this planet and hating this life and just not being happy. But the minute I made that choice to stay, I was on fire. And I started the gentle barn a year later. I love that so much. Oh, something about that perspective shift too, right? <laughs> yes, you chose to come back, but then it made you savor every moment being back in a way, right? Yes. People are hurting out there and they need to know that just, you know, breathe through it. When we go through these most challenging circumstances, it's like, we think it's never going to end. Do you, have you done yoga, by the way? Yes. Okay. I think a great example, yoga mirrors life in so many ways. When you're in that pose and your whole body's shaking and you don't think you can like hold on to that pose anymore, you, you have to remember that you're going to be out of that pose. Like that pose will, will shift. And then, you know, my five-year run where I lost my business and I'm near death experience and everything. It was that, it was that pose that felt like it was never going to end. And my whole body was shaking metaphorically speaking, you know, and I come out, I came out of it and now I'm in Shavasana. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. (laughs) And you are too. So we, you know, we kind of get each other at at a really deep level here. It's really cool. What would you encourage people to do if they want to connect and they're not working with somebody who is able to communicate formally with animals. Do you have any insight on how people can start to do that more with their pets? I do. I happen to believe that we're all born intuitive and connected. And I believe that it's kind of beaten out of us at school, you know, sit down, be quiet, follow the rules, do what others tell you to do. You don't know. Someone else knows better. Just listen to someone else. Don't listen to yourself. So your own instincts, your own inspirations, your own impulses are completely shut down and you're taught to just listen to everybody else. That's why they say enlightenment isn't about attaining truths, but removing lies. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. 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 And there are many, many, many lies that we are surrounded with. And then we are given opportunities to find ourselves within those lies. And so the truth is, and, and the other thing is that we don't spend time in our culture in the quiet stillness. We write, so we're on the phone, the TV's going, the radio's going, there's advertisements. Everybody wants to tell you what to do and what to think. We watch the news and we get fear. We're eating foods that make us sick. I mean, there's just so much chaos going on. If you look at the animal kingdom, like every single animal at the gentle barn, every single one of them spends time every single day in the stillness and in the quiet to connect with themselves and to open up that intuition. And so all we have to do if we want to find that 
is spend time in the quiet stillness, whether it's doing yoga or just sitting and meditating for five minutes, sitting next to a tree or a brook, finding ourselves in nature. We can do a walking meditation, but we have to find our ways to that still quietness. In the quiet, we find our center and ourselves. And then once we find our center and ourselves, then we just need to open up and stay neutral in our breath and trust what comes in. Mm. And we will get messages from the universe and our angels, messages from our animals and messages from our own intuition. And when we come from that centered place, our intuition becomes our compass and we can never again go wrong. It'll tell us don't go down that road. It'll tell us don't get into that relationship. It'll tell us that's not the job for you. It'll guide you and you'll find your way to where you're supposed to be. Perfectly said. Oh my God. (laughs) We're going to make that a podcast clip. The people that fear going to that place, because I was one of those people, right? I think the worst thing, the worst place that we can find ourselves in the world, Ellie, is being a stranger to our own selves. Am I right? When we're, oof. That is hell. It's almost like you're driving your car through multiple barriers when you're a stranger to yourself. It just seems like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing happens because GPS is built in. We have inner GPS, but the world tries to pull us away from that inner GPS. It's like a blessing and a curse, right? Because we can, we can solve maybe these more complicated problems with our brains, but like that level of thinking actually gets in our own way. <laughs> so it's like, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, cause we're figuring out how to like do space travel and we're figuring out how to come up with vaccines. So in a way, like there's beauty to it too. Right. But it's a double-edged sword, yes. you know, even in a challenging spot, let's say you could sit and write a list of 50 things to be grateful for. And those are very real, you know, things. Those are, those are powerful things to be grateful for. I mean, fresh air, you know what I mean? Water, a roof, a pet, or what, you know, there's just so many society at large can manipulate us with messaging because if we're, you know, if we're told, no, we, we need something, well, then they have power over us. The human species has gotten itself into like a conundrum that's kind of by its own making. And I'm glad we can have this conversation and just be real about it because it's refreshing to, you know, isn't it refreshing to like have a conversation with somebody at this level? Oh, this is the best conversation I've ever had. I could talk to you for hours. Thank you you for saying that. Likewise, the podcast is called Connection is Magic. What is it about that exchange of energy that's so healing? Because there's no flow of energy. There's no flow of love when we're by ourselves. When we're with others, that's when we can give and receive. There's that flow of energy. Energy is not meant to stay stagnant. It's meant to flow. I mean, our bodies are 70% plus water and water needs to flow, doesn't it, Ellie? So it's like the same principle. We're supposed to spend time in quiet stillness to connect with ourselves. And then we're supposed to go out into the world and share it and receive from others. Absolutely. You're doing such amazing work. Can we just clone you somehow? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. I think everyone that everyone that follows the animals on social media or comes out in person and hugs a cow, cuddles a turkey, gives a pig a tummy rub, cradles a chicken in their lap, has that exchange of energy and love opens their hearts, expands their empathy. Mm. I am making clones and everyone that comes here so that they can walk away being more loving, being more gentle, being more kind and being more thoughtful, not just to other animals, but to other people and themselves as well. 
Amen. Really well said. It literally ripples outward. How many animals are at the Gentle Barn right now in California? We have about 100 animals here in Los Angeles. And then we have two other locations in Nashville, Tennessee and St. Louis, Missouri. So in total, we have about 200 animals. Amazing. Amazing. Talk to me a little bit about John Lewis, because again, I follow the social media. So what, what do you think makes John Lewis so stand out? Why is he so special? I think his circumstances are very special, but I also think that he is very, very similar to Dudley. He mm. has that same spirit. Um, he is only seven months old, but he's like a million years old. Like his soul is a million. Mm. And so he's very wise, very enlightened, very giving and understands beyond the scope of a seven month old calf. And for those listening that don't know, what's his backstory too? I think that'd be interesting to mention. John Lewis was born in the middle of the pandemic. Um, he was born inside a slaughterhouse um, because during the pandemic, the farmers were kind of panicking. And so they were just sending all of their animals to slaughter mm. and animals in the beef and dairy industry are kept pregnant. And so all these pregnant animals were going through slaughter. Most of them were being slaughtered that way, but a few started giving birth on the kill floor. And we ended up spending the last year rescuing animals from the slaughterhouse that had given birth. And so we've rescued so many of them, but John Lewis was one of them. Unfortunately, his mom was so sick that we weren't able to save her, but they allowed us to take him. So he was orphaned at a week old. He was extremely, extremely sick with pneumonia and could barely breathe and had really high fever. We brought him to our son Chlorella Healing Center and got industrial sized coolers to cool down the barn for him. It was 106 degrees, but we couldn't cool down the barn enough and we knew we were gonna lose him. So in a desperate attempt to save his life, we brought him into our house. We set him up in the living room I moved downstairs to be his mom and I was with him 24 seven. My husband built oxygen tents so that he could breathe with the oxygen. We had really, really great vet care and slowly, 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 he started to make it. He still lives in our backyard, but he lived in our house for six months and then it got too warm for him in the house once he was recovered. And so he moved into the backyard because we were with him 24 seven and raised him with our other dogs. He's like a dog. He walks on leash. He sleeps on a dog bed. He comes when we call him. He eats snacks. Um, he loves to come in the house and pull bananas off the kitchen table. That's amazing. Um, he's this dog. We take him on hikes and we take him for walks. Wow. And, he came. and my dog Sky was with me the whole time that I was nursing him back to health. And so my dog Sky and John Lewis became best friends. And now they play every single day. And I think it's John amazing. Lewis- I've seen them play, by the way. It's adorable. I just have to say that. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. so cute? Yeah, it's the best. So I think that John Lewis, like he, he's got a human for a mom, a dog for a brother, and his aunties are cows. I think he's here to tell the world we're all the same. We're all family. Oh, that's so perfect. Oh, man. Sharing him on social media, so many people around the world would say, you know, with the struggle of the pandemic and what they're going through in their isolation, um, watching John Lewis and his bliss and his recovery and the way that he plays with Sky, it's like they check in every day. So now, sick and tired of sitting on the sidelines and realizing that John Lewis is ready, we have opened up Cow Hug Therapy, where John Lewis hosts these people that have had a horrible year, whether they've lost family members to COVID, whether they're just totally lonely and isolated, whether they had financial struggles, they can come into the gentle barn and they can hug the cows. They can meditate in the barnyard and they can meet John Lewis, who always makes everyone laugh and smile. And they leave hopeful and inspired and uplifted. And it's beautiful. 
Amazing. Are you guys now physically open? So the Los Angeles location is still closed to the public on Sundays. Our St. Louis and Nashville locations are open currently on Sundays to the public and for private tours. Here in LA, we're only open for cow hug therapy, but starting in April, we're opening up private tours and then slowly working our way. Hopefully in the next three months, we can open again on Sundays. Amazing. So when is the cow hug? What's the cow hug schedule? So we could like let people, cause we have a lot of LA listeners. I feel like, is that happening right now? Yes. So cow hug <laughs> therapy is happening right now. And it's at 11 AM every day because that's when the cows meditate, they meditate. every day. Every day, cows meditate every single solitary day. So whether it's in Nashville, St. Louis, or LA, whether they're old or young, female or male, they have the same schedule. They wake up in the morning, they eat breakfast. Then they get together and they groom each other to show their affections for each other. And then they sit down and they have a group meditation every day. And it starts at 11. You come into their meditation. Um, we put their We put our faces against the cows and just close our eyes and breathe in and out. And we can feel their energy. We meditate. We hug them. You can hold John Lewis in your arms. And I'm telling you, that hour will change your life. I would love to have you. That would be so fun. Please. There's this saying that, that goes, your animal chooses you. Can you tell us about that and your thoughts on it? This is what I like to believe. I believe that we choose this life before we incarnate. I think we choose the circumstances. We choose the lessons. Even the hardships, we choose it. And we also choose who's going to be our soul family to help us along the way. And so that's why many of us have an experience where you meet an animal and you just know immediately that they're going to be yours. It's because there's a recognition. And I think that's true for, for human soulmates too. Like when you meet a person and you just feel like you've known them forever, it's because there's a recognition. And I just think that's so. I mean, I think that there's soulmate animals that come in and out of our life and they're here to help us along our journey. Just like we would find a best friend in, in human form, that, that's that's true for animal form as well. Oh, that's so cool. I'm sure you've heard Ramdas. Ramdas said, we're all just walking each other home. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yes. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me today. This has been so fun. Thank and, you so um, much for having me. You know, I'm such a fan of you and what you're doing and very, very blessed to have uh, spent this time with you. Thank you. Oh, right back at you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, everybody, for tuning in. And we hope you got a lot out of this. And see you next episode. Thank you so much again for tuning in to today's episode. It really means the world to me. If you heard anything relatable that created new awareness for you, please visit our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review. This helps build our audience. Please comment, like, and share this episode out with your family, friends, coworkers, or anyone who you feel would benefit from the messages shared in today's episode. I'm really, really grateful for your help in spreading these messages of hope and wisdom. The world is in such great need right now and your support helps carry the message onward to others who need it. Also, please consider becoming a monthly financial contributor to the podcast. You can do so by visiting connectionismagic.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Patreon is a third-party platform which helps support creators in exchange for exclusive content and offers. You'll be able to get discounted merchandise like comfy hoodies, t-shirts, as well as retreat discounts where we'll have special guest speakers and group activities to connect you with like-minded community members. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, please stay connected.